0: you are Locked On Jets, your daily podcast on the New York Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. John B. here at gangrenenation.com bringing you the Locked On Jets podcast. It is July 20th in 2017. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoy the show, you can listen on iTunes, Audio Boom, and Spotify. Please subscribe and give it good ratings if you'd be so kind. We are going to jump into a mailbag today. It's Mailbag Thursday on this podcast. And we actually had some good questions from uh, last week uh, that we didn't get to. So I'd like to start off by uh, answering a few of them. Um, These are from the comments section of gangrenenation.com. First question, actually, does not deal with the Jets. It deals with Bill Belichick, uh, the rival coach with the Patriots. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach in the history of the NFL. Is that statement even arguable? Yes, I think it is arguable, and I will argue that Bill Belichick is not the greatest coach in the history of the NFL, although I think he he certainly would be up there. I I think off the top of my head, I probably would put him, I think I'd put him number three. I think number one has to be Vince Lombardi. Uh, It would be difficult for me to argue anybody other than Vince Lombardi. Um... You know, here. How about, how, let me throw this at you. Um, Belichick is 65 years old. He was 64 years old when he won his fifth championship. Vince Lombardi won six championships in the NFL, and he died at 57, and he actually was coaching Washington. He, no, people don't, a lot of people don't realize this is that after he reti- he retired from Green Bay and he was the general manager for a year and was miserable, so he actually went to coach Washington, and he they had a pretty solid first year under him, and I, I think he probably would have based on what I've studied that the NFL he was seven five and two his first year um, in Washington, and it was considered a pretty good year. Um, you know, there was a franchise that was not having a great run and he instilled instant credibility in them. I think he probably would have won more championships. Um, you know, just the greatest motivator ever, uh, really knew how to develop players. Um, so I think Lombardi has to be number one and number two, I'd have to put Paul Brown, uh, tremendously successful coach and really an innovator use of game film, um, use of a full coaching staff. Um, creating the messenger guard to, to bring it run in plays. Um, he kind of set the standard for what became the practice squad of the NFL. A tremendous coaching tree, uh, guys who worked under him. A lot of them had tremendous success, and a lot of success on the field. So for me, I have a tough time. I think what I, I would have a tough time debating is I think Lombardi's one, Paul Brown's two. Now, if we're talking the Super Bowl era, I think Belichick has a very strong case, um, and I, I'll tell you, I think Belichick, Belichick might be third. I, I think the two that I can't debate though are Lombardi one and Paul Brown as number two. That's where I would, uh, that's what what I'd have to say there. I, I think I absolutely would debate Belichick being number one. Not counting rookies, who's the most talented player on the roster? I think it's tough to go away from Leonard Williams. Um there's a reason the Jets even though they really had a a lot of talented interior type defensive linemen. There's a reason they drafted him in 2015 and everybody said he was the most talented player on the roster and the uh comparisons you you, you got from him were were quite uh quite lofty even as a rookie, even as a guy who didn't know how to play and you you know you look at the power he plays with and He's just going to get better. And I mean, the scary thing about Leonard Williams is that he's already um, so good, and he's only 23 years old. So he's still got room to grow. He's still got room to improve and really become something special uh, for this defense. So it's something to watch this year. Next question. Brandon Marshall says that he couldn't have survived another season with the Jets with because we were going nowhere. Do you think maybe Sheldon Richardson was right about him? Do you take back your epic rant? No, that's not the point. The point is that Sheldon Richardson needs to grow up and stop whatever petty feud he had with Marshall last year. It had nothing to do with what Brandon Marshall said. The problem was that Sheldon Richardson couldn't get over some petty squabble and decided to create a distraction when he had done nothing, when he produced zero last year. So that's the issue. Sheldon Richardson's not producing on the field. He's creating distractions needlessly. It has nothing to do with Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall's totally irrelevant to the Jets this year. Or whatever I don't care what Brandon Marshall said. He's not on the team anymore. You know, if he didn't want to be on the team, then the Jets Jets gave him what he wanted, so who cares? Brandon Marshall's irrelevant. Sheldon Richardson can get Sheldon Richardson needs to get over his little, you know, petty feud and act like an adult and actually do something on the field. That that's what Sheldon Richardson needs to do. Then then we can talk about Sheldon Richardson in a different context. Next question is it a is it a three man competition or a two man competition? Last season Petty performed not only Hackenberg but McCown as well in preseason. Um, passer ratings were 96, 36, and 55. Will Petty start if this happens again? Or Are sports writers correct in assuming he's not really in the competition? Um. I don't know how meaningful last year's priest. i I understand the point you're trying to make, uh, but he wasn't really competing with those guys last year, so it's a little different context. They they weren't seeing the field at the exact same times. I I think that I'd probably go somewhere in between—this is just my guess. I mean, I I can't say for sure— but uh, the Jets are telling you it's a three-man competition. I think Petty. There, there are scenarios where Petty could be in it, but most, more likely, it's probably a two-man competition because you're not just picking a quarterback uh, in preseason in the training camp. Is that you also have to make sure that the guy who does eventually start is prepared because he is going to be your starting quarterback. So you got to make sure you got to make sure whoever. Whoever's in this competition is actually going to have enough reps that they're prepared to be the starter in Week 1. And when you have three guys getting first-team reps, and I know it doesn't sound like a big deal, but it really is a big... It's, it's a much bigger deal than it sounds like, getting first-team reps in terms of uh, preparation. And I don't think... I, I think it's tough to have three guys splitting first-team reps equally. Now, the Jets say they did it at 0-2, o- that's more or less did it in OTAs, but I think training camp's a little different. I guess we'll see. They claim it's going to be a three man competition. Um, my guess with that it'll be McCown and Hackenberg, and I think you know the scenario you brought up. If Petty really outplays the other two guys, I think he could play his way into the competition. And I mean, look, if you have watched football long enough, you know anything can happen. I mean, if somebody gets hurt, you know, I'm not you don't want somebody to get hurt, but Injuries do happen. Uh, if that happens, Petty could find himself with a better chance. You know, that would be a way for him to get more reps. Um, I, I think, though, that Petty was one of the big losers in the off season. I think. I don't think the Jets signing Josh McCown was necessarily a referendum on Christian Hackenberg, but I do think it was. My guess, and again, this is my guess. I do think it was probably a referendum on. Uh, Bryce Petty because I think if you're confident in what Petty can bring to the table you don't make that signing you just go with the two young guys I think that's a sign that they didn't like what they saw last year out of Petty and really what they saw was not very good if you could make an argument Petty was was a downgrade from Ryan Fitzpatrick when you put him in the lineup and Ryan Fitzpatrick may have been the worst starting quarterback in the league all the year last year um and you know it's what it's one thing to pay Josh McCown you know two million dollars they they paid they went on they they kind of bit against themselves to get Josh McCown I mean they were they act, give Josh McCown six million dollars you're acting kind of desperate to get Josh McCown so that kind of shows you what they thought about their quarterback situation and my, my guess is McCown's probably going to start Week One I think the way these things usually work is when you got the young guy and you don't think you're going to have much of a team and. You know, I've watched enough. I've watched a lot of NFL, so this is just my my take on it. I've seen teams in different situations, the way they respond, and I, my guess is that they'll start McCown because you, if you don't think you have much of a team, putting Hackenberg in the lineup from week one, you're kind of setting him up to fail, and you're setting him up to take the brunt of the criticism. Meanwhile, if you start McCown Week One, then you can put Hackenberg in after the team's fallen out of the race. He, there's not a lot of pressure on him. He's not going to be blamed for the team's struggles, and he will. You know, he'll. It'll pretty much be can Can the young guy spark the team? It'll be that type of deal. You know I think back three years ago, the Jets in 2014, they'd signed Michael Vick in the off season, and in retrospect, I think what they you know what you would have done probably is you would have started Vick at the beginning of the year. The Jets had a terrible team that year. Vic would have not played very well because Vic was pretty much finished at that point. Um, team would have fallen out of the race. Then you could have put Geno Smith in, and Geno wouldn't would not have had any pressure on him. And he, again, you would have had that element. Can the young guy spark the team? Instead, what they did was they handed the job. To, they essentially handed the job to Geno Smith. Geno went out and struggled, and it's really I think where the fan base turned on him. He really probably destroyed Geno Smith. I, I mean, I don't know if Gino would have been a great quarterback either way, but the way they handled Gino was just—you could write a book on how not to handle a young quarterback with the way the Jets handled Geno Smith during his four years with this team. And uh, you know, I think that was an example. So I think that's probably now. Would this be the way I'd handle it? No, I would. Have, I would not have brought McCown in in the first place. But that's beside the point. Now McCown is here, so I think that's probably the way they'll handle it. My guess is that it's more likely Petty is cut than it is that he starts, but I do think that there's a chance he starts. I wouldn't say that there's zero chance that he starts, but I think of the three guys, he's got the longest road to get to the starting job. I, I think it's tough, tough spot for Petty. I think that if McCown was not here, then he'd have a much better chance, but the Jets bringing in McCown probably bumps Petty, because usually what you do is you have the, the quote-unquote stable veteran in McCown, and I don't think McCown's a stable. Yeah, you know, I keep reading about McCown's a game manager. The Jets wanted a game manager, and I—I mean, McCown takes horrible sacks. He throws terrible interceptions. This is what sense is this guy a game man? What? that's the way it's, he's viewed. And um, you have the young guy who will step in when he's ready. So I think I think Hackenberg. I think of all things, are equal. McCown plays. I think Hackenberg. If he goes and lights it up in preseason, he'll probably play and petty needs to needs something dramatic to happen to to play. Next question, is there a player on offense to build around right now or only question marks? Winters and Nunwa um, let's throw Winters out cuz I, I don't I can't think of an offense that's ever built around a guard. Um I there's I I don't think an offensive lineman's really a spot you you build I think you build your offense around skill. Well, I want to clarify what I mean by that is obviously an offensive line is important, but you know you you're, you don't build an offense to you can't build an offense to run through an offensive line because they don't have the ball and it's very important. I don't want to diminish the, the when I say this, I'm not diminishing the impact of an offensive line because offensive lines are very important. You, you really would be well advised to have to build a good offensive line, but. You know, you got to have skill guys. When you were talking about who we're building an offense to run through, it's really got to be a skill guy. It's got to be a back, a receiver, a tight end, and obviously you know, a quarterback. You know, quarterback's the most important piece. But I think in that context, you're probably talking more skill player, and I don't think they do. I think they got to, I think this offense is pretty much starting from scratch. Um, there really is not a lot of skill. I guess maybe Powell. Powell played very well down the stretch last year. So Bilal Powell might be a guy you look at. He's never a guy who's been gotten the chance to be a number one back. So maybe that's what you maybe you look at whether he can handle the workload. It's not clear. Maybe he can, uh, but my guess is that they don't really have anybody to build around on offense. They have a few pieces that's good. I think Inden was a nice complimentary part. My guess is Powell is probably more a complimentary part than a go-to guy. You'll see what you have in Anderson. You'll see what you have in these other young receivers. But you don't really have a lot of, I don't think you have any blue-chip talent at the skill positions right now. And that's one of the reasons, you know, you go back to that last question, and if the Jets really believed in Hackenberg, you probably would have kept one of these receivers. You wouldn't have given Hackenberg such, because it's very difficult to... They have a lot of young receivers, but it's very difficult to develop receivers at the same time you're developing a quarterback. You can develop receivers, you can develop a quarterback, but to do these things together is very tough, and you've almost put Hackenberg in a no-win situation by the way you've handled the offseason. Next question, uh, head coach shortlist. This is our last question of the day. Um, I'm always of the belief that the best-run sports organizations should have a continually updated shortlist of potential head coaches. They should scout prospective applicants year year rounded in times of in times of stability, not just when everything is going badly, without any implications relevant to coach Bowles, who would be on your potential head coach shortlist and yeah i I'm with you on that I think that's one of those things that you need to do i think and i I would throw this out there is that I think you should also be looking at. The people in your organization. I think you should be looking at, you know, players who you think have good leadership traits, who, you know, process the game well. I think you should be looking at potential coaches for down the road. You should be looking at which players have the the traits that you want to be a good head coach, a good scout, a good GM. Now to your question, and... This list obviously could change based on what happens during the 2017 NFL season. Um, if you're looking for a retreaded a guy with experience, I think Todd Haley would be a, a interesting choice. He did not get fired in Kansas City because he's a bad coach. He's a good coach. He uh, Now, he's had some issues getting along with people, which is part of the job, so... You know, it's, it's how much has he worked on that? I don't know. Um, if we're talking assistants, I think both New England guys are interesting. I think Matt Patricia, the defensive coordinator. and I know the New England, I know anybody coming from New England, there's a lot of uh history that they haven't had success. Uh, guys from Bill Belichick's uh circle have not had success branching out, going elsewhere, taking on bigger roles, but I think both these guys could be exceptions. I think Matt Patricia. You know, obviously, he's got that engineering degree, but you look at um, you look at some of the stuff he's done there. You look at and there's not a lot of talk that comes out of New England, but if you look at some of the things people will say about him, he seems like a guy who really pays attention to the little the little details and I think has potential to be a very good head coach. And then you have Josh McDaniels, a guy who's really impressed me by the way he's handled things after a really disastrous start, disastrous stint in Denver where he got a job a little too young, went in there and really alienated a lot of people. He's, he could be a head coach now if he wanted to in the NFL. And he's decided to sit back. He's, um, inside to really wait for the right opportunity which now that might mean that the jets are not the team he's going to look for but he's really impressed me by the way he's handled it he's kind of it seems like you know indications are a lot of people will tell you he's learned from his mistakes and he's obviously a brilliant guy there was never any question about his intellect about his you know his football acumen i think you know he's he's come more he's more mature he's learned from what happened in a lot of ways and people will a lot of I'm not the first one to say this in a lot of ways, um his career arc may resemble Bill Belichick. Belichick had a similar situation in Cleveland where he was too young, he alienated a lot of people there. He uh went back and worked as an assistant for a few years and he got the Patriots job back in two thousand and you know, he he took those lessons that he learned in his Cleveland days. And I, I think McDaniels is a guy who has a shot to be a very good head coach when he gets his second chance, when he takes a second chance. Also from the uh, recycle pool, Jim Schwartz, who's uh, with the Eagles, or, you know, that's another guy I think has earned a second chance, um, you know, uh, took over the Lions, actually got the Lions from 0-16 to the playoffs in just three years. 0-16 in 2008 and in the playoffs 2011, so... It's another guy I think uh, could get a look. Uh, Terrell Austin's a guy whose name constantly comes up. He's been coming up for years, so that's another guy. Um, so those would be some names off the top of my head that I would look at. Um, the question finishes with, I'd ask the same for GMs, but whoever's asking this doesn't think I can come up with GM candidates. I I can, though. I there are a few guys who interviewed with the Jets last time who I think would be worth a look. Will McClay Will McClay of Dallas, uh, George Patton of Minnesota, some other guys I like, Duke Tobin of Cincinnati, Elliot Wolf in Green Bay. I mean those are guys I'd look at for GM, so I mean I mean who do you heck, who do you think you're talking to? I I can name you some GM candidates. Um so that, that's where I'd go. Um so anyway, thanks for your questions. Uh This has been the Locked on Jets podcast. I'm John B. Gangrenation.com. You can subscribe to the show, iTunes, and Audio Boom. You can listen on Spotify, and please give it a good rating. Until next time, take care, everybody. We will chat again Friday. The List.